Welcome to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe life is better when you love the way you look. Style doesn't have to be complicated, and getting dressed can actually be fun. It's time to ditch that closet full of nothing to wear and instead create a fabulous functional wardrobe that makes you feel stylish, confident, and ready for anything. I'm your host, Jennifer Mackey Mary, and I've been dressing real women for almost 20 years. There isn't a body type or wardrobe challenge I haven't seen. And in this podcast, I'll share practical lessons from my journey that you can use to make creating a look you love easier than you ever imagined. Get ready to love getting dressed again. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast. Today we have a very special visiting professor who I am so excited to talk to. Melissa Klug is a professional organizer and one of less than 300 people on the globe certified by Marie Kondo to help clients organize using the KonMari method. After a 20-year career in multiple Fortune 500 companies, Melissa is using her talents in a different way to help everyday women learn the magic of decluttering and discovering that organizing your home is the key to a more peaceful, happy life. Hello, Melissa. Welcome. And Hello. thank you for being thank you for being on the style school today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this for many Me weeks. Me too. Me too. So you and I actually met at a women's networking meeting um, for an organization that you that you run here in the Twin Cities. Yes. Um, and it's always funny. I find the best people when I go to things I don't want to go to, right? Yeah. So I remember that night, it was so hot. It was very and hot. And I hate, it was hot. And I hate getting dressed up when it's hot. But I was, and so I was like, okay, I put it on my calendar, I'm going to go. And you were the first person that I met. And then you said you were um, a, a Marie Kondo organizer. And I was like, I'm so glad I'm here, right? Because I was like, this is why I, I am meant to be here. And I came home that night and I posted in my Everyday Style Lounge group. I said, oh my gosh, you guys, I met I met a Marie Kondo organizer. I said, and you'd be really proud of me. The first thing I said to her wasn't, will you be on my pad- podcast? But <laughs> you can bet your sweet peach emoji that it was the second because I... I <laughs> I know women want to hear this stuff, and especially after the show, after the Netflix show, um, I think that Marie Kondo's system got the exposure that it definitely needed. I mean, the the life-changing magic of tidying up is a truly transformational book for a lot of people. So right. I am so excited that you are here. I am thrilled to be here because I spend a lot of time in people's closets. And so yeah. I just think it's a it's a match made in heaven because I just, I love that every day you and I do something similar um, just from a different angle. And I just, I love that every day I get to work with women on basically how to make themselves feel better and how to make themselves feel better in their clothing is something that yep. I'm extremely passionate about. Absolutely. And you and I, there's some overlap in what we do because I, I meet a lot of professional organizers and they say, oh, you, I do what you do. And I'm like, well, mm, yes, different. we both throw people's things away. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, totally different. Yes. You know, and when I meet an organizer, we do have overlap. But frankly, 
your kitchen, that's not my expertise, right? right? Like that cupboard or drawer of to-go containers. <laughs> right. I will tell <laughs> you, you the one. just for the record, kitchen is my least favorite thing to work on too. Is it really? It really is. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always glad when I'm done. Like when you're done, the results are so amazing, but it's just, it's physically extremely hard work. And yeah. it's just, you know, it's a, it's just not my favorite part of the process, but very rewarding. It just has to be done. Has yeah. to be done. No, I get that. I get that. I get that. All right. So we're going to dive into your story and um, really talk about organizing a little bit in the closet, but a lot in the other parts of the home. Yep. Um, but first of all, first and foremost, this is a style podcast. So I've got three questions for you. All right, I'm ready. No, you ready? In three words, describe your style. Ooh. Okay. So my style has changed because I used to have a corporate life and now I have a very different professional life. So if I had to pick three words, I would say monochromatic, upscale, athleisure. Oh, I love it. I mean, that really gives me an idea of what you wear. Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of funny. I um, I had a client one day who was like, why do you always wear black? And I'm like, well, it's just, it, it's it's my comfort. It, this has always been my comfort go-to color, right? So black and white yeah. is kind of my yeah. thing. But now because I am so active, um, you know, there is a lot of physical labor involved in what I do. People don't realize yeah. that. And yeah. so I have to be in clothing that it, it looks nice. So I don't want to walk into someone's house and have them go like, are you cleaning? Are you washing your car? Like, what are you doing? So I need to look nice, but I also need to be able to move around and really feel like I'm not restricted by my clothing. So... Yeah, no, I get that. You know what I think is funny and you talk about athleisure. I hear so many women who stay at home, you know, they have that active lifestyle, they're cleaning their own homes, they're doing whatever. And so they feel like the only option for them is crappy yoga pants yeah. and you know sad t-shirts and no. I'm, I'm always like ladies we live in the age of athleisure yes it's I actually mean, this is the greatest time to be alive frankly. it really is because you can legitimately look very nice but also have fabrics that are very comfortable movable efficient um and i love that i can say the reason i said upscale athleisure is because there are so many places now that you can go and you can still look very nice and very professional but you do not have to look like again like i said you're going to wash your car or paint your house <laughs> so it's i went to church a couple of weeks ago in legit athleisure pants yeah, and I, I put them with flats and a cardigan and i did not look like i was going to the gym you know i think the athleisure part the athlete part is, yes. you know i don't i'm not athlete Neither am I. i'm mostly leisure yeah, <laughs> i am all leisure to church and i could wear yeah. them walking around the lake i could do whatever this is the greatest time to be alive lady so if you are saying that you can't look polished because you have that super casual busy need to play on the floor with your kids whatever lifestyle that just ain't true and you need to leave that excuse at the door because we live in the age of athleisure so 100% step, stepping down off my Preach it, sister now. okay <laughs> All right. Question number two. Okay. If I gave you a $500 gift card to use in one store okay. to spend on yourself, what store would you choose? Ooh. Um, first of all, I would really love this to actually happen. That would be amazing. I know. I know. Um, <laughs> so I think right now the store that I really, really love is Ever Eve which yes. is here in Minnesota. I think they're, t you would know better than I would. I think they're starting to be nationwide. Yeah, there are a few around the country, okay. but living in the Twin Cities, we are lucky enough to have one at the Mall of America. And, yes. um, 
And I love yes. it because I went in there. I was very lucky to be able to be on a, um, a Twin Cities news show. And I, of course, ha- had to do the, I need a new outfit for this because um, yeah. you're going to be on TV. And I had always avoided it because I thought it was really expensive and really out of my range. And I said, well, this is an important event. I need to go in there. And I I found that they had insanely helpful clerks. So helpful in the, they are actually helpful, not just trying to ram things into your dressing room. Right. Like buy things yes. and yes. like really looking at your body and they were really nice to me and were like, hey, I don't think that's your best look for TV or this would be really great or having me try things that I never would have tried. And I think that's the key to a, an, a great store. And so I, that would be my choice right now. In the old days, in my professional days, it would have been White House Black Market, hands down. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, that's a great store too. I mean, I, I know a lot of, of White House Black Market fans, um, but I am loving Ever Even. If you're not lucky enough to have one in your area, they are online. Although I find a lot of the things that I love in the store aren't online. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, I walked into Ever Even in the Mall of America and there was like this one little rack and it just was like, oh my gosh, that's the prettiest rack ever. Yeah. And it was the basis for the fall capsule guide. Like I, I always wonder, what am I going to do? What are the patterns? What are the colors? Yeah. I looked at that one rack and I'm like, dang, that's it. And I, I texted my sister on the way and I'm like, okay, here are the colors, here are the patterns. Let's, let's get to work. So, well, um, I think the other thing amazing. about that store is this is one of the other things that I'm passionate about, both in my professional life and just as a, a, a woman is, you know, we're moms, we're busy, we're professional, but you can still, you don't have to give up. Right. <laughs> and I think right. Ever Eve is just very much on that train of, Hey, we are a store for moms, but we're for moms that want to be a little bit more hip, a little bit more modern. And I yeah. love what you said on the podcast podcast last week or a couple weeks ago when you're like, ladies, let's like step out of just the comfort, like be uncomfortable a little bit <laughs> to try. For and the I, psychological comfort. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And and so Ever Eve to me is that store. Absolutely. I, now they definitely are a little on the pricier side. It bit. is not your old Navy target Correct. price point, but I feel like if you can pepper in a few special pieces every season, they go a long way. Yeah. I, I will also tell you just something that I learned and I know we'll get into this, but when I was decluttering my own home, um, which was the long process that I did for myself, uh, what I determined is I looked through my own closet and I said, oh, I had been chasing the old Navy pieces. P.S. Nothing wrong with Old Navy. I still love it. But um, I had been chasing the the Ever Eve piece with the Old Navy piece. And in some cases, I spent exactly the same amount of money trying to buy four of the Old Navy things to try to get the one nicer piece. And so I very much am a like, look at the value, look what you're actually looking for and find the best piece that fits within your budget and make sure that that's a piece that lasts. Without a doubt, because I think a lot of people think the option is save or spend. Yes. And a lot of times it's spend and keep that piece or save and replace that yes. piece often. And I think there are things that you should absolutely just go cheap on, like t-shirts. For sure. T-shirts are going to get stained no matter what. Yep. However much you spend on that little basic tee, I, I go to Target for the basic tees because... I'd rather spend $8 on something that's going to get stained and worn out than $35 for it. But yeah, cheaper isn't always the best option, yep. even if you're on the budget, even if you're on the budget, you just have to figure out how to work it. All right. Absolutely. So last question, and this is my favorite one. Okay. What item of clothing that you currently wear makes you feel the best about yourself and why? Ooh. So I have this pair of leggings that I am loving. I would wear them every day if I could. Um, So they are Spanx leggings. Oh, yeah. 
And this was something that actually the Ever Eve clerk talked me into, and they were, as Minnesotans would say, a little spendy. Um, But this is an example of a splurge that is so worth it. So these pants, they're like moto pants. (laughs) I've never ridden a motorcycle in my life, nor will I ever. (laughs) Um, But like athleisure, right? Right. right. However, these pants make me feel like such a... Uh, just like it make they make me feel cool they make me feel like i can dress up any outfit it makes me feel like a hip mom instead of a boring mom um they just i don't know everything about them just make me so happy and i was I'm a total evangelist now for Spanx leggings, which was not yeah. a thing I even knew existed, honestly. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, yeah. I used their tights for years, but never the, and so I'm so into them. They are, those are amazing. And I know the moto leggings that you're talking about and they, they really, those are what I call beyond basics Yeah, because you take a basic item that everybody has like black leggings and you put something that's just a little extra to it. A little bit of zhuzh. It, yeah. A little bit of zhuzh. And it, totally ups your style yep. and you're still in black leggings. Absolutely. You know, so that's, the capsule this time around has a lot of like beyond what I call beyond basic knits because I do think the women that I speak to have that more casual lifestyle, but it's really easy just to get like in the t-shirt and jeans rut where you're just wearing those basic $10 target tees yep. and a pair of jeans and you're like, why am I so boring? Yeah. And then you go find the same like knit top. I have one and it has um like crochet overlay on the shoulders and a little bit of thermal at the um at the wrists and the the hem and it's a cool thing and it's it's a t-shirt it's a knit t-shirt that I throw in the washing machine in the dryer it is no different than your basic serves the same function but it it just it adds the zhuzh gives you a little bit much more style yeah a little bit of extra and so when I'm working with clients one of the things I love is to see their face when they genuinely when something genuinely sparks joy for them and genuinely they love it and that's how I feel like even if you could see my face right now as I'm describing these pants I'm smiling and it's just that's the feeling that I want to impart to people you know is like have that feeling pick those pick those items that you love and you can describe like that and that should be your closet that's yes, absolutely. Well, that you know, we're going to get into this in one second, but that should be everything. I was thinking yeah. it this morning as as I was preparing for this interview about things that spark joy, and I have this stupid spatula, right? Okay. I have because you think spatulas don't spark joy, sure but do. how many spatulas do you have? I have a lot, but when I open that drawer of utensils and I have my pink pig spatula, yeah. which I love, and I love it because it's cute, but it's also got a shorter, wider handle, and it's easier to like scoop stuff with. Yeah. That stupid five dollar spatula sparks joy. Yeah, and you reach for it, and reach for you, it. you're going to reach for it, and to the avoidance of all the other spatulas. Yes. And that yes. is so. It's it's really funny that you say that because that's what we try to do with clients is we try to have them think of those items. So and say, hey, tell me about this thing that you love. Okay, that is what spark joy means. And even if it's a, I don't care if it's a spatula or a pair of sandals or a CVS receipt. Like whatever right. it is for you right. that causes that feeling, that is what spark joy means. So, well, I think that women, when they hear the term spark joy, everybody says to me, Oh, if I did that, I'd have nothing left yes. in my closet. I would be naked. Yep. And I say, Okay, imagine we're going to actually get into this stuff in a minute. This is still our pre conversation. Oh, I'm but sorry. I, no, no, ahead. no. I don't know. We're good. I always say, imagine that all of your laundry is done at the same time. And this is a fantasy. Yep. So you can go ahead and manage <laughs> it, imagine that. What is the first thing that you reach for? Yep. If you are choosing pajamas, which p- pajamas do you pick first? Yes. Those are the ones that spark joy. It doesn't always have to be this like, 
oh, angels coming down from the heavens yep. moment. It's just, if I have a choice of 10 blouses, what is that one that I pick first? Yep. And that is what spark joy simply is. The thing that I always wish I could do is either photograph or video my clients when they are actually going through that process, because I can tell on their face when they pick something up, how they feel about it. It is a yeah. visceral reaction. Yeah. And, and so when you talk about that, whatever that is for you, like you said, if it's pajamas, if it's a t-shirt, that is that feeling that you need to go for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's actually get into this. Sure. Because um, we could talk all day, I have a feeling. We could. Okay. So we had lunch a few weeks ago, and you told me that you were not always an organized person. I was not. So t- <laughs> tell me a little bit about that and how you got to where you are. Yeah. I always joke that I was uh, I was a trash panda. <laughs> I was, I, and I have pictures on my website. You can, everyone can go look. I, I totally out myself on my formerly messy life. And this is really important for me to tell people because there are a lot of organizers who go, oh, I've been organized, you know, since birth. And I like telling people that I used to be a mess because then it makes me able to understand very acutely where people are coming from when they say, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have time. I can't do it. It's too hard. I have been all of those things. Um, I used to think that clothes lived on the floor. (laughs) I didn't know that clothes should be hung up and, (laughs) you know, folded and taken care of. (laughs) So I just thought when they came out of the wash, you just left them in the laundry basket, you know, until you wore them again. And um, so, yes, I, I just have always been a very, kind of an untidy person. And my mom was very, very tidy. And so what I find is people go one of two directions. They either do exactly what their parents did or 180 degrees opposite. So my husband has always said he would eat a steak off of my parents' garage floor, which is accurate. Okay. Whereas I then said, oh, I'm going to keep my room messy. And then I had an apartment and it was messy. And then we had kids and our house was messy. And it was never um, to the level of like, if someone came over, I would not let them in the door. But it was just always very cluttered. And so what happened to me is I was uh, in corporate America in very high pressure, difficult jobs, traveling all the time. And I ended up in a situation where I was the odd woman out um, on a team after my company was acquired by another company. And something happened to me that I never envisioned, which is I lost my job. And Mm. that was something that I had never, ever envisioned for my life. But what I discovered uh, really very quickly, as in the next morning, um, was this was an amazing opportunity for me. I had been pretty unhappy in my career and in my company. And I wasn't giving the best of myself to myself or my family. And so I had some very nice time to myself. I took about five months to think about what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I'm very grateful for that. But during that time, I discovered that I was really tired of my house being a mess all the time. And I had read The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up many years prior, like when it first came out in 2015. And uh, this is a true story. I could not find my copy of the book because my house was such a mess. (laughs) Absolutely true story. So repurchased the book and I read it. I remembered reading it originally and going like, oh, yeah, this kind of makes sense. I reread it and then said, you know what, I'm going all in on this. And I I have the time and energy. And I'm going to do my house faithfully to this method. And we did whole family got on board, which was cool. And Mm -hmm. so um, we we did our whole house from top to bottom. And it just happened to be one day I, I had this moment where I said, I love doing this. 
this is absolutely something that I am passionate about. And when people said to me, oh, what are you going to do? Are you going to get another marketing job? What What are you going to, to do as your next career move? The only thing that was interesting to me is thinking about helping people do what I had just done in my house. And that coincided with seeing something on social media about how Marie Kondo was certifying people in her method. And I said, I have this crazy idea. And told my husband uh, what I wanted to do. And he, like an amazing good husband, said, that's not crazy. That's a great idea. Go do it. And that's it's a much longer, more boring story than that. But that's that's kind of the quick story about how I got here. And I just am so grateful that I have been able to build a business from nothing, helping people every single day in their homes. And I genuinely love what I do. I love that story. And I think that when you find an expert who hasn't always been good at what they yep. do, that's the person to go with, as long as they're good at it now. Yes. I mean, if they're still not unorganized, <laughs> don't now. hire that person. I promise. Right? But, you know, it's kind of like you, the nutritionist who's never struggled with yes. their weight. And she's like, you should just eat half a sandwich. Right. And you're like, no. lady, <laughs> no, right? <laughs> no, I want you to say, I understand yes. eating ice cream out of the carton. And here's how, you know, here's what I did. Uh, I think that is so, so powerful. And when somebody has gone through your struggles, they're much better at helping you, yeah. but also being compassionate about whatever it is. And I think what you do requires a lot of compassion. Oh, hugely. I have a lot of clients that are very, um, they're in a, a pretty low position when they come to me, like yeah. they have, you know, yeah. they finally decided they need to reach out for help and they feel a lot of emotions. So it's sadness, it's shame, it's, um, you know, self-recrimination about how did I let it get this way? All of those things. And I, the thing I love is I'm able to say, no, 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 <laughs> dude, let, let me show you where I came from. I used to, I used to be this way and I can help you out because I know if I can do it, anybody can. And there is, yeah. you really, really can change. Took me 40 42 or 43 years, but you can change your habits. Um, and you can say, you know what, I am going to do things differently. And I'm not going to take the ingrained patterns that I've used in my adult life and continue those I can do it differently. That's fantastic. So I wanted to ask you, why is clutter a problem? Who cares if you have the space? So, you know, we moved from a townhouse um, outside of DC, and now we have a much bigger house in the, in the Twin Cities suburbs. And um, I happen to be married to a man who could fill yes. this house and has in a year. And if I got a house that's twice as big, he could fill that too. He loves yeah. stuff. I don't love stuff. That's a different conversation. But give me something I can take back to yeah. him. Why is clutter a problem? Even if you have the room for yep. it. Why is why is it a problem? Well, I will start with my favorite phrase that I ha I use all the time, which is it's from a book that I read called The New Minimalists. And P.S. I'm not a minimalist. I call myself a mediumist, so I'm not advocating That's funny. that you you know go out and have one coffee mug. Uh, but this book, I really loved this idea, which they talked about the new definition of full. So a drawer can be full and only have two things in it. It does not have to be unable to open. We can have five bedroom home and not fill every room and not feel like we have to fill that. I think that's a huge problem in America. We are very fortunate. And so um, I, I think that we all have this feeling that, well, I have the space. So I have tons of storage space. So why don't I just keep 30 boxes that I've never looked through in the last 10 years? Yeah. Uh, what's it hurting? And the answer is it's really not hurting anything. Um, but there is a 
there is like a psychic toll (laughs) of stuff. So there is a physical lightning feeling that you get when you say, I'm, I'm only going to keep those things in my home that are extremely functional, extremely useful, that spark joy for me. Um, There is a physical weight that you are holding when you keep those things that you have never looked through. So the the boxes that you moved four times that you've never looked through saying, oh, there's probably something in there I need. Is there though? (laughs) You haven't used it in 10 years. Um, maybe there are a couple <laughs> pictures in there that are really important to you, but you know, even with those items, then you say, well, I'm not honoring those items by keeping them in a box. And so part of it is that I think we have an obligation to, to use the things that we've been given. If we have the resources and we've been able to buy things, then we should use them to their utmost ability. Or we should say, you know what, I'd like to pass this on to someone who's less fortunate who could use this. So, um, That to me is the answer of there is that feeling that you have where, you know, even if you have the space, you don't have to fill it. The other thing I will tell you is there is actual brain research on what clutter does to your brain. And you may not think that it's doing anything, but it is. So the thing that I always try to tell people is imagine that you're trying to um, add a bunch of numbers together and you have a three-year-old that's yelling in your ear going, mom, 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 you would be distracted. Clutter actually does that to the brain. And there are lots of studies that you can look at that talk about that. And so even if you say, oh, I don't need to be a minimalist or I don't mind the clutter, it's actually doing things to your brain. And especially as we age and need our brains more (laughs) um, and as processing becomes more difficult, you have those issues too. So I love that. By the way, I love that you call yourself a minimalist. I call myself a just enough. There you go. I love that. Which sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a, a Sesame Street character, I think. Snuff like Snuffleupagus. But, you know, women find me and they say, oh, I love your minimalist approach to, uh, to wardrobing. And I'm like, mm, I don't know who you're talking to because I am not right. a minimalist. I find so many minimalists who are serving minimalism rather than minimalism serving yeah. them. And I think either ditch you go in where you are where you are trying to get down to the very fewest things you can absolutely have, or you're collecting all the stuff everywhere. I think both ditches, you're serving yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Whereas if you're in the middle, stuff is serving you. And I think that's the point. That's the point of buying clothes so that they serve you. It's the point of buying a, another spatula because it serves yep. you, not you serving it. You have to clean it. You have to maintain it. You have to move it. You have to do all these things. The serving this stuff is what I can't, I can't yeah. stand that. Can't and stand and that. I think that I love that you are phrasing it that way too, because I think when you have too many things, the stuff has a hold of you a hundred percent and that, you know, it's really, you are just moving deck chairs on the Titanic (laughs) and you are, you're just saying like, okay, I just need to get this out of the way or I can't find this. It's also just an efficiency problem because the amount of time people spend looking for lost items. I read somewhere a statistic that we lose a year of our life looking for lost things. Who, who wants that? Wow. You know, whereas if you go like the scissors always go here and, you know, everything has a place. You don't have 700 pairs of scissors. You have two pairs of scissors and they always go in this drawer. It just makes your life so much easier and just makes it efficient and more pleasant and frees you up for other more fun things. I lo- love it. Love it. So in your experience, why do we have such a hard time parting with stuff? Yeah. It, stuff is emotional. <laughs> so uh, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Like I always joke, I 
talked about, you know, CVS receipts earlier. I joke all the time that my husband can find a CVS receipt to be a sentimental item. <laughs> you know, he can, oh, um, right. And uh, he doesn't love it when I say that, but it's true. Um, but our stuff is very emotional. So when you think about clothing, you know, we, in the KonMari process, we start with clothing because it's theoretically the thing that you can start to feel the spark joy feeling the most easily. I would argue sometimes clothing is the most emotional thing that we deal with. You know, oh, especially yeah. for oh, women, yeah. because um, you have attachment to things that you used to fit into. Oh, remember when I used to be able to wear XYZ dress. So then it becomes an emotional issue of recrimination, maybe about how you feel about your body at that moment. We all struggle, right? No matter what size you are, you yeah. struggle with how you perceive yourself. Um, we have, we sometimes go, oh, I don't feel like I look good in anything. Like you were saying, women say, oh, if I got rid of everything that didn't spark joy, I wouldn't have any clothes left. Um, all of these things are very emotional. We also, I think, struggle because when you want to say, I'm going to downsize or I'm going to declutter, you also feel very wasteful. And people do not yes. like that guilty feeling that they're wasteful. And so that, and that's a very real feeling that we have to deal with in my work all the time. And part of it is just getting to this emotional and psychological place where you say, okay, this is spent money. I cannot do anything about it. I cannot give it back. What I can do is donate these items to someone else who is in need that it will have a very, very good second life. And then I can also say, I'm going to change my behavior going forward. So I am not going mm -hmm. to go buy 22 spatulas. I'm going to buy the one spatula, the pig spatula that really sparks joy. <laughs> um, or I am going to buy the one dress that I need for all of the occasions. And I am going to feel good in it. And I am going to spend the time and the energy to go find that thing that really is the right thing for me versus that wasteful, I'm just going to buy three dresses and hopefully one of them will work enough. So, yeah, I always find, I always say that people hang on to things for a couple different reasons. They remember when they could wear it or they remember when they did yep. wear it. And the other one is guilt. They spent the money yep. on it or somebody gave yes. it to them, you know, and the money, I always tell women, you're not getting the Correct. money back. The money is yes. spent. Your clothes are not Picassos. Yes. By hanging in your closet untouched, nobody's going to discover them in, yes. you know, 20 years. And oh my gosh, now this, this vintage Target tee is worth $5,000. Not going to happen. <laughs> If you're buying Chanel, if you are buying Balenciaga, if you're buying those things, they will appreciate in value. But if you're buying, you know, Bandolino right. shoes, um, they're not. They're not appreciating in value and you can't get the money back by just leaving yes. them in there. Doesn't and work that way. Part of the KonMari process in particular is that you need to have gratitude and respect for your belongings. Um, a lot of people, especially in the U.S., get hung up on that. Like, I'm not going to say thank you to my shirt before I give it away. But that concept is just simply that you should have gratitude and respect for the things that you have been fortunate to receive. So you've worked hard for these things and you purchase them. And so you need to be grateful for them. But you also need to say, I no longer need this item and I can let this go. This money was spent 10 years ago. <laughs> this, this money was spent two years ago. I, I can't recoup it, but someone else is going to be able to find this and love it and give it that gratitude and respect. Whereas then I can focus on the things that are left in my home that I truly need, I truly love, and that are truly functional for my life. So 
I like the idea of having gratitude and respect for things because I think that that's something that we don't we don't have and we don't do and we don't practice. But I think when you have gratitude and respect for things, you also have gratitude and respect for the money that Absolutely. it took to buy those things, which, you know, it kills me when I'm in closets and they are full of things with tags on. It absolutely kills me because it's just, that is not respectful of how hard you worked or somebody else worked to buy you those things. So, you know, what is the point? I actually read something the other day that I I blogged about because it really hit me. um, And it was about how we don't buy things with dollars. We buy things with hours of our life. And so, yes, I read your blog post. It well, was and I just I loved this article um, that I read originally because I I said like now I have a, d- a different appreciation for money than I did before. I work with clients and they yeah. pay me by the hour, and so I will go to my kids sometimes and like we were school shopping, and I'd say this is an hour of my work. I just want you to appreciate this. Like I want you to not that I was looking for them to thank me, but rather to say, okay, this set of clothing costs my mom an hour away from me, and so some of these, this concept that you're talking about is it's gratitude for the, for the time and energy that someone put into be able to afford that item for you. And if it no longer serves you, it will serve someone else and it can serve someone else in a lot of different ways at, you know, whether it's a donation um, to the shop that someone then can buy it and, or it is someone who has a job because they have a job in that donation store. There are just a thousand things that you can say, I need to get over that guilt that I spent the money because it continuing to have it hang in your closet, hang in your house is not respecting it in any way. Yes. And I think that there is a moment, you know, sometimes I've had clients and I pull together everything that has yeah. tags on it and I yeah. add it up. Women are yes. shocked by how wasteful it truly was. And if you are someone with tags in your closet, first of all, if you have something with tags on, it, you haven't worn it in two weeks, return it, yes. you're not going to. Plain and simple, plain and simple. But if you're somebody who has all those tags in your closet, things you've never worn, you know, target bags of stuff you've never opened, things you, you've never used, yes. add them up, add them up and see how that feels to you. And if it doesn't feel good, don't do it again. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about it. Let it go, but don't do and, it again. And that's what I always tell people is be different in the future. And that's what I had to tell myself. Yes. That's what I had. To, again, I have been through everything that I tell clients I've been through myself. And so I've just said, I'm making a commitment to myself that I am not just going to mindlessly shop. I'm not going to emotional, you know, do emotional online shopping. I'm not, I get that emotional shopping is a thing, but you know, just find a different outlet. Um, and I think that the tags on the clothing is a very, much a sign that you have to look inwardly about what am I trying to fill with this? Like You are probably yep. trying to fill something else. And that's actually when you ask about why is clutter so difficult or why, why do we have such a hard time with this? And it is because sometimes this process, you actually have to confront truths about yourself that are very uncomfortable. And we don't like being uncomfortable. When you have to look at yourself and say, oh, oh, I have a thousand dollars of things in my wardrobe yeah. that I have literally never taken the tags off of, or I have $500 worth of things that are lying around my house that I've never used. That is a very uncomfortable process, uh, but facing those things and making the change moving forward is key. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. You can always just be 100%. different tomorrow. You can choose to be different tomorrow. All right. So I want to hear from you when people read the book and they're like, I'm going to do this. Today's the day. What are some mistakes that you see people make when they try to DIY an organization job 
And how would you change them from a professional's perspective? Yeah. So what I find most often is, and I love when people have the energy, because in, in our method, the first thing you have to do is commit yourself to tidying up. So that is actually the first thing. It doesn't even require any work. It just requires mental energy to say, I want to commit myself to this process of decluttering and organizing my home. Um, so what I find in people, though, they get that energy and then about a half an hour in, they're like, wow, this is, this is really hard work. <laughs> um, I, I think maybe I need to take a break or, you know what, I, I think I might start again tomorrow. Um, and what I find in my work is one of the reasons people like working with me is because you have a devoted amount of time that you can't kind of fudge on. <laughs> you can't, you can't work for half an hour and then go, I think it's time for a glass of wine. Check your email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to exactly. dedicate the time to it. And that's what I think a lot of people underestimate is um, it is certainly, not, I don't find it to be drudgery. Some people find it to be difficult, but you have to say, I am going to devote three hours as if I were in a meeting at work. And I'm going to devote that time to, you know, whatever process, whatever part of the process you are on. I think sometimes people find out that the work is very hard and then say, I'm just not going to do it. I don't feel like it. So I think the other thing that people make a mistake on is not setting goals for themselves, especially when we talk about starting in a closet, uh, but it goes for any of the categories that we work on in a home. You might say, um, I would like to, um, for instance, say, I would like half of my closet to remain. That's maybe not a realistic goal, but what I like for people to do is have a goal and say, you know what, I would like to only keep the things in my closet that genuinely spark joy that I wear frequently that make me feel really good. A lot of people do that. Oh, I, I'm going to save it in case I lose 10 pounds. I'm going to, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. I am, I am going to save it for that special occasion or the one that I always tell people is like, yes, you may need an orange sweater for an orange sweater party in five years, but don't keep doing that might, might, might. Might is a big thing that we talk about yeah. in my work of that's a huge mistake people make. Yeah, you might need that paperclip in three years, but could you maybe just rebuy that paperclip for four cents, <laughs> you know? Um, so yes, I, I yes. think those are the biggest things is you, you've got to set some goals for yourself on a, on a time and energy perspective and then reduce that might feeling. So for me, when I work with clients, it's the yes. someday, like you alluded to, I'm going to lose yep. that weight someday. Someday I might want to wear that. And I have my clients go find a calendar and find <laughs> right. someday. Well, because every calendar I've ever seen does not have the word someday yes. printed on it. Like, and there will never be a time where you want to use or you want to wear that no. itchy sweater. That it's day is never not going coming. To come. You know, I always tell my clients the best day to clean out your closet. I think I talked about this on episode episode 14. The best day to clean out your closet is the day where you go, I have to do laundry because I've got yes. nothing to wear. When you feel that, you go to your closet, what, you throw everything away. What is in here Get that I refuse to wear and that I don't right, want to wear? My someday has come and I still yeah, don't want to wear look, it. I, I'm in the middle. I'm working with a nutritionist right now. I want to feel a little bit better um, in the body that I have been given. and But I'm also not sitting there going like, oh, this this shirt, I definitely, like in three weeks, I'm going to be able to wear it. I'm just saying, what does my body look like now? I would like to dress for that. And I also think, and I, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but the psychic energy that is required to keep things that make you feel bad about yourself. 
So if you have this entire closet worth of stuff that what it's telling you is you're not good enough, you don't look good enough, you are this, that, or the other, that, that is the opposite of sparking joy. And so to say goodbye to those things and gratefully release them and then be able to say, again, I'm getting over the guilt of giving them up. I am uh, just embracing who I am. That's a very powerful thing. It is. It is. And I always say, and I think I, again, said this in episode 14, because we cover a lot of the same subjects here, but clothes that don't fit you mock you in the morning, but they don't motivate you the rest of the day. No. You know, you go in your closet, you're like, oh man, I gained weight. Jeez, boy, that was a rough winter, whatever it was. And you say, okay, I'm going to get back into those. And then you go about your day and you know, you're at Starbucks, it's four o'clock. You're having that like crash and that black and white cookie looks really good. And you're like, "Mm, you know what? I have a pair of chinos that are snug. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get that. Like it doesn't motivate you. It doesn't. It just, you forget about it as soon as you close that closet door. But in that, in that morning, in that moment, it has mocked you. It has made you feel bad. It has reminded you of where you're not. And oh my gosh, maybe you'll get back there. Maybe you won't. But in the meantime, don't look at it and every you day. Know what? Don't look at like it. Like I said, I'm I'm trying to be different right now. But I also have said that, you know, if you do magically lose weight, right, if you do all the hard work to lose weight, I will also tell you that you probably are going to want to go out and reward yourself with a couple of things that really yes. make you honor that work that you have just done. And Nobody is like, I want to go wear my old pants. (laughs) Nobody, nobody. And I've lost enough weight and gained it to know that when you lose the weight, you want new things. You want new things to reflect who you are now. So uh, hasta la vista, Jen from, you know, 2016, it's Jen 2019. And I'm going to dress for that. I I just think like that process of self-acceptance is very important. And it's so hard for women, so hard for moms, so hard for people to get to. But that's, that's another part of the process, though, that is very difficult for people. So that self-acceptance isn't just about your closet. It's about a lot of other parts. You know, it could be about books. It could be about the way you handle paperwork. It could be about, um, you know, how many coffee mugs you have. I always tell people I started, we had 47 coffee mugs in our house. I was like, why do we have two humans that drink hot beverages? Why do we need 47 coffee mugs? Um, I love coffee mugs though. I buy them as souvenirs. I I I do too. But you know, it's, it's that process of like, who am I and why do I need these things? And does it make me feel good to not have any space in my cabinet because I have 47 coffee mugs? No, it doesn't. So that's that's very true. So I had a question I was thinking about as I was driving home from um, from a thing at my daughter's school today. And I was thinking about past clients that I've worked with and people for whom our time together has mm-hmm. stuck and people for whom our time together has yeah. not stuck. And I've gotten pretty good at knowing when it's going to stick and when it's not going to stick, right? When, when this is going to be like a one-off awesome and then a month later they're back in their, you know, yeah. shampadinka. Um, <laughs> which is an Oprah word, apparently, <laughs> uniform, right? How do you know? Do you know when it's going to stick? And how um, do you know? That is a great question. I've never, ever thought about this before. So I, I think there are clients that I work with that are just kind of one-off. They go, oh, I just... I, 
I hate my closet or I, you know, we always go through the process of, okay, tell me a little bit more. Like, what does your ideal home look like? All of these things that we do in the KonMari process. But I still have some clients that say, nope, I, I just want this one closet done. And I do that with people. I do. It's called traditional organizing. I do that with people because that's what clients want. But I will find that those people, their closet in three months is going to revert to the way it was because they didn't actually change a behavior. Um, so they really didn't examine their relationships with the stuff. They just said, please make my closet better. And I think the key is that you have to commit yourself to this. Okay, I know I have too many things. I know I need to be more thoughtful about what I have in my home and what I keep in my home. And if you really, really commit to that process, I find that you have more lasting change. And the clients that I work with on a more long-term basis, where we're really changing the way they look at everything they bring into their home, that's when you get that real change. So the one, the you know, the people that I work with for three hours and then I never see them again tend to be the ones where it, it doesn't stick as much. Or I'll hear from them again in six months and say, ooh, I maybe need you to come back. Oh, the closet's right, messy exactly. again. So That's interesting. For me, it is how far I oh. take them from who they okay. started to be. You know, if I have a woman who... I want a total overhaul. Um, I'm going to change my style. I'm never going to wear, you know, sneakers again. I'm high heels all the way. The farther I take her from where she starts, the less likely okay. it is to stick. And, you know, that's why I like hate sure. makeover shows because I go, that woman is going to be back in that sad well, cardigan. <laughs> the sad cardigan. Like when the I cameras can, yeah, turn Yeah, I can, I can actually Photoshop the, the bad cardigan. I can feel it. Um, the sad cardigan. I think that there's something to that and what I do too is um, that's what we always talk about in my work about it's not about what you're choosing to get rid of. It's what you're choosing to keep in your home. And so I think if, for people that you know have piles in every corner and then they say, I want to be a minimalist, that it's exactly what you're talking about. That probably isn't going to work and it's probably going to revert to the maximalist. <laughs> Um, so you've got to meet people where they are and be realistic about, all right, am I really going to wear high heels every day when I'm used to wearing flip-flops? Or am I really going to only keep one thing on my kitchen counters when I'm used to having, you know, my 42 salt um, and pepper shaker collection? Probably not. So so do you find yourself reining people yeah, in? I find myself in closets like, okay, no, you need to keep that. That's like a definite maybe because I can see these, you know, and I get it. Like you've hired somebody, you've spent the time and the money to invest in this big change. And then I sometimes I'm like, hey, hold, hold up, hold, slow your roll. Let's not, let's not toss everything because I know that that's going to leave her as a yes. different person and not not somebody who she's ready for, but do you find, do you find yourself kind of reining people in like, okay, 42 salt and pepper shakers? No, but let's pick our favorites and yeah, keep we them We do here. that a little bit. It really depends on the client and what their goals are. So everybody has different goals. What I do tell people sometimes is, especially people that are like, oh, I don't know that I'm going to be able to say goodbye to enough things, but um, some people get really addicted <laughs> to the tossing process. Yeah. And they're just that's like, that's what I'm saying. No, that's no, no, what I'm no, saying. I just, I like, burn it. I, 
I have clients that frequently say, burn it all down. I'm like, no, we're not going to burn yes, anything. Yes. And you, like you see the, the little bit of like crazy in their eyes. Like they want to do this so bad. Over. And you're like, no, but, you don't. Right? No, you, no, you don't. don't. You will literally be naked or you will Correct. have no spatulas or whatever so, it is. But I do try to remind people. And part of my role as an outside observer is to say like, hey, let's slow our roll a little bit. You might want to think about keeping two spoons <laughs> or you might want to think about, hey, don't you need a couple of dresses because you work in a, a business environment or what? So sometimes that addiction to the tossing process, you do have to be a little careful. So I think extreme on either end yeah. is bad, right? So if you have someone yeah, that's like, yeah. oh, I, I need to keep every one of these tops versus someone who's like, mm. I don't need a top again ever. I'll just wear a sweatshirt, whatever. I, you know, it's <laughs> any extreme on either end is not ideal. You can't go to work in your bra, Linda. I mean, you need, you need your to job. keep the top. You can, but not many jobs. <laughs> <laughs> not the listeners right. that I that, that are job. listening today. <laughs> All right, so... My last question, my last official question is, what are three easy tips for women who want to get more control of their stuff? When this podcast ends, what are three easy yeah. things they can do? First thing that I want people to do is not rush to your closet or your kitchen or wherever that spot in your house is driving you crazy. But I want you to sit in a chair and just quietly think about what is it that is driving you nuts about your house? Um, we all have those things, right? So I want you to imagine you come home at the end of a day and you walk in your door, whatever door you enter in your house, and you start to just have a quiet imagining of your house and go, what are some things that are frustrating to me? If you start thinking about those things, you really start to hone in on, okay, what is it exactly that I need to start doing? And what is it that's bothering me? So is it bothering me that I constantly lose my keys? Is it bothering me that I can't find anything to get dressed in the morning? Is it bothering me that my closet is so full that I literally can't put another thing in? Is it bothering me that I don't ever do meal prep because my refrigerator is a mess? Whatever those things are, really just sitting down and thinking about what does my ideal home look like and what does my ideal lifestyle look like? To me, that's the first most important step. And then the second step is to commit to that time. So like I said earlier, if you really make that commitment of the time and the energy and the effort that's needed and really want to commit yourself to do something different, then I think that's really winning the battle. I think the third thing that I would really encourage people to do is to really be kind to yourself <laughs> and say, again, I'm going to, I want to be different in the future, but I am not going to make myself feel bad about this process. This is a positive process um, that I want to do to move forward. And so, so those are the three starting points. If you want to look forward at like, okay, how do I actually dive in? One of the things that we do in the KonMari method, which I think is infinitely helpful to people is and people don't like it always because it does involve work. Um, but is whatever room, whatever category you are working on, you need to take everything out of its receptacle. So it's t-shirts out of drawers. It's coffee mugs out of cabinets. It is uh, candles out of, of candle storage. <laughs> it's holiday decorations. You actually physically take those items out of their resting places and you put them all in one spot. And then you look at that and say, oh, oh, wow, I had no idea I had 75 dresses or I had no idea I had 32 spatulas. 
that process of taking things out and examining what you actually own is to me the most valuable part of the process because it's very it's a a process that brings a lot of self-awareness and it allows you to have a blank slate to start over again so when you do get done choosing what stays then you can put it back in its resting spot in a way that makes more sense to you so that's a physical thing you could do to start the process that is fantastic. I really like the first step, just being yeah. sit and think about it. You know, when I when I speak to groups, inevitably after I finish, people come up and say, yes. "I want to go home and Always. like burn down my closet." And I'm like, okay, whoa, 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 yes. whoa, again, Linda, right. don't do that. Uh, but I love the idea of just actually being yeah. reflective about it and and being intentional. Sometimes I think that that's the step yeah. that we skip and really harms it, it, us to in the me long run. The, you know before you touch a single item in your home you should you know the three steps i i first gave you were just thinking <laughs> and so i really really encourage people to sit down and talk about with themselves and with their family members if they need to um you know about their goals about their concerns about their frustrations and what they want to do differently and that will be winning the battle to start out rather than just jumping in. And then I, I think when you jump in, the, you whether it's out of excitement or whatever, you don't do it. You haven't planned, right? <laughs> so you, you are not yeah. actually helping yourself. You are just jumping in without that plan. And I think that that first process needs to just be thinking. Every woman has time to think. I know we feel like we don't, but there is a shower, there is a drive to work, there is, you know, whatever. You can find yes. two minutes to think. Well, you absolutely I'm in the middle. Can. I'll okay. just say really quickly, so, I'm in the middle. I started a digital detox yeah. with some people, some of my clients. Yes, I saw yeah. that on Facebook but and yeah, I was like, you no, don't have to. I'm not, I'm not trying to force anyone into it. But the only reason I'm saying this is when you say every woman has time to think and we think we don't, we do. Um, just think about the amount of times you yes. pick up a phone that you mindlessly scroll, BuzzFeed, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat chat, whatever it is. And uh, like, I personally do not love silence. So I often have my headphones in. And what I found in this digital detox is starting to take those headphones out and just be silent is really quite exciting, maybe a little bit alarming. Uh, and I, I think when you have that time to think, it really helps you. That is really... The digital detox thing, like I really respect it. And maybe someday I'll be ready for it. But I found my husband mm -hmm. the other day. Mm -hmm. Just sitting. Yeah. There was no TV on. He wasn't reading a book. He didn't have his phone. He was literally and did just you go, sitting. why are you being weird? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, creeper. Right. Do something, right? But he's a definitely a lot. Um, he's a calmer person than I am in general. I kind of just love the idea of like, yeah. oh my gosh, you just sit. You just sit. And he sits on our deck all the time, just kind of sits. And I sit on our deck all yes. the time and I bring a book or I sit on my on the deck and I bring a phone, um, you know, and I, I do all those things. But what if I just sat? That might feel kind and of I'll try tell you, it just is, it's just kind that. of refreshing. And so like, to me, that sitting time is time that you can think about what is it about your house um, that you would like to be different? And then how do you create a plan to move forward? And sometimes that is, involves having someone like me come in and help. And sometimes you can do it on your own. Sometimes you could do it with your family. It, every person has a different path to get there. But I can tell you, you absolutely can do it on your own. You can also have someone like me or, you know, one of the hundreds of people that do what I do, you know, that is a professional organizer, you can have them help too. There are just so many paths that you can take. But I can tell you, your house can be different. You can feel not guilty about it. You can have that feeling of overwhelmed, 
you know, just that overwhelming feeling when you come in your house, go away. Um, and I know this cause I've lived it. So. Fabulous. So my question for you, my last question is always, what would you like women to take away from our conversation? But I love the idea of yes. your house can be different. Yeah. You, you can do this. Is there anything else like you really want women to take away? So from our conversation? my client that I worked with yesterday um, texted me this morning and she had this like lovely epiphany that <laughs> she said, uh, I have felt out of control in other parts of my life. And I felt out of control in my house. And I realized my house is the thing that I can control. And I think as women, we have so many different things competing for our attention. And I think that the having a house that you can be in control of and saying, I'm not going to let, as you said, not going to let the stuff control me, but but I can control the stuff um, and have it be active rather than passive. I think that's the biggest thing that people can take away. And just that it is really a gift. It is self-care. <laughs> it is a gift you give yourself to have a home that you feel is your sanctuary and your happy place. That there is no place on earth that should be happier than your home. And that you can take that control and yes. do that. Yes. And yes. that feels restful and a, like a launch pad for your life rather yes. than total chaos. And then you launch into total chaos. I love that. All right. Melissa, thank, thank you for you. being on the show. Where can people, people can find, find you online? online. Um, even during my digital detox, I am checking in occasionally. So um, do not be concerned. Um, work. My no, uh, website is home by 11 and 11 is spelled out. So home by 11.com. And I am on Facebook as home by 11 and Instagram as home dot by dot 11. Okay. I will put all of those links in the show notes. So if you are driving, don't, don't be writing. Um, I will, <laughs> we will put them in the show notes. So you can, you can link to them. And Melissa, I think you have a little something, something for our I do. listeners. So right? I like to share some kind of uh, private off the record uh, thoughts with people. And so I have created a link that is just for uh, people that have listened to this podcast and listened to me blather on for the last hour. Um, and we will link that in your show notes. So it will be a special website that is just for people who have listened to this podcast. So I'll give you some tips about discarding. I'll give you some tips about how to donate things. A lot of people have um, issues with, well, I, I want to give things away, but I don't know where they go. Um, I'll give them some special tips yeah. and tricks that sometimes get people stuck. Love that. Yep. We will link that in the show notes as well. And then we have one more fun bonus is that if you would like to connect with Melissa, get your questions answered, she's going to be joining us in the Everyday Style Lounge for the next week, taking your questions, giving you more organizing support. Come and join us in the group. You can find us on Facebook just by searching Everyday Style Lounge, or the link is in the show notes. And you definitely want to head to the website for the show notes on this one. So uh, Melissa, thank, thank you, you again for being a visiting professor in the Everyday Style School podcast. This was a super fun conversation, and uh, I look forward to connecting with you again thank soon. Thank you. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Style School podcast. Class is dismissed for the day, but if you'd like to continue the conversation, head over to my free Facebook group, the Everyday Style Lounge. You can also visit my website for show notes, downloads, and links to resources we discussed during the episode. Go to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash podcast. Finally, be sure to subscribe to The Style School wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, I'd love if you'd leave a review and even share with your friends. Thanks so much. We'll see you back in class next week. Bye.